This is for the nerds, this is for the brainiacs, this is what we deserve. Go ahead and play it back, you ain't gonna touch me, you're not gonna do nothing, you are not above me, I bet you wish you was me, I know that I know. What's up everybody, welcome to another episode of the Only Friends Podcast featuring the one and only Chauncey Sprague. Right. <laughs> Fucking up my shot, bro. He's not, he's enhancing it. He is enhancing it. He is such a majestical creature, man. He's so happy to be here. He looks like a sphinx. Speaking of happy to be here, thanks for joining us, Andrew. We have... My pleasure. We have the one and only Andrew Barber in, in the building. Uh, for those of you who are unaware, he's not just a poker player. He's an economist. Hmm. He's very... How does an economist work? Do you just call yourself one like a poker player? No, he has degrees. Oh, shit. Yeah, you gotta you gotta study that shit. <laughs> I mean, you're supposed to study poker, I guess. Right? I mean, any anyone can claim to be a pro poker player. I think anyone can claim to be an economist. That's what I was getting at. Yeah, yeah, but you might have on, to you might have to back Twitter. it up. Yeah, yeah, you actually have paperwork to back I this got, up. I got the bona fides. As in, some people can some people are fake economists. Yo, that reminds me. I got I got fucked so bad by my spell check, so I swiped the text, and I was tweeting at at Kessler yes or a couple days ago, calling him a bona fide idiot, and I know that. I know that there's no hyphen. I know for a fact there's no hyphen between it. But I also thought it was one word. And it's not. So my stupid uh, predictor text decided that it's going to just hedge and make it two words with a hyphen. And I was like, you know what? This thing's smarter than I am. And I'm not about to look this up. So now, in a, in a tweet where I'm calling someone an idiot... I'm misspelling a word. It's like messing up like the there there as you're making yeah, fun of someone. It's incredible. I deserve every bit of whatever comes of that. <laughs> Not much is going to come from it. At least it was only a hyphen. Do I, do I get into this now? Can I yeah, start with it? I think it's, it's really it's good. Guys, yeah. I got LaManna on right now. Oh, on shit. The, he's on the bubble. Wait, he's actually on the call? Yeah, he's right here. Oh, let's go. Let's get a tortoise update. I'm here, baby. <laughs> What's up? He's here, here baby. Are, baby. Look at the shirt. Look at I, Peep the shirt. I, look at that shirt. Yeah. <laughs> This oh, is so I, I wholesome. This I is amazing. Baby dick. <laughs> <laughs> I told him he needs a rebrand, man. You can't have this name anymore. I don't, think, I don't think he actually saw my shirt, but it says the uh, the, Yinza, the, the Taylor Yinzer era. But we're here. We're hand for hand. We're waiting. <laughs> um, as you can see, everybody is pretty, pretty uh, excited slash nervous. And um, yeah, we got, we got our 12 blinds and we're ready to go. Let's go. I just, I just went through the big blind, so... Uh, we're gonna have the small blind and the the rest of the uh, the rest of the orbit to go. Um, no way it lasted. Yeah, we're orbit. one. We're one. We're one. Listen, very very first hand of of my table under the gun, all in, and then next guy all in, then another guy all in. I'm like, what is happening? Jacks, aces, kings. Kings has them covered, makes a flush and knocks them both out. Let's Jacks go. funded. My in my opinion. <laughs> Based. Yeah, they definitely punted. They had like they had like uh, they had like like sixteen blinds under yeah. the gun with jacks. That's, fold. That's fold. Trouble hand. <laughs> he goes, that's that just, was, that that's was, just a fold. Your fold. Your fold. Can't raise it. But, can't fuck around. And find out. A, is it not a fold? I mean, you can open. I'm pretty sure you can RFI. No, uh, no, 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 you can't. There's a guy. There's a guy with. No, you uh, can't. <laughs> this is tour to speak. No, you can't. Well. You well, you, I mean, you can open it and some people. Do? Some people are dying to min cash this tournament. Yeah, welcome to the tortoise. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's Look, just uh, you know. No one knows bubble play better than the tort. 
If there's anybody I would bet to cash the main event with 10 big blinds or less on the bubble, it would be okay. Brian Lamano. Dude, I like. Oh, here we go. We got player all in. <laughs> Is this so? We awesome? might see the bubble break on live on this stream. I do love that he's he's there and yeah, this in is, the field. This is great. We have a field reporter. Yeah, he's our sideline reporter. Like, like I know, I like I have. I came in with 15 blinds. I played a lot of hands like leading up to this. I'm so impressed with the journalism at Solve for Why. Like, we're, really, really we're, we're on it, baby. The tortoise is our Aaron Andrews. Yeah. He's out there right. in the field, live yeah. in the muck. Maybe you should do an interview with someone afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> can you interview? Uh, can you interview the bubble boy, Brian? Maybe. The uh, looks like the first all in call has been won by the short stack. Okay. We got another one. There's so much drama in these I spots. love this. Like, they're going from table to table sequentially. Yeah. Usually it's like 11 p.m. though. Look at this cat on you. <laughs> no, you got to give us the play-by-play, -play, Bri. Oh, we can't hear it. We can hear it. We can hear it. Ace-king versus queens. Okay. Shorty doubled. Uh, one more card to come. Oh shit. Yep, we have a double. We have Brutal. one more though. Okay, one more. Wow. Suspense. Are they on the, are they on the, like the stone bubble? Stone bubble. This is, this is incredible. I can't believe we're getting the live feed here. Oh, I'm going to yeah, be so baby. disappointed if another shorty doubles and we have to go through this again. I know. <laughs> to go through this again. I know. Wow. Was that to you? <laughs> no, no, that was not to me. <laughs> all right, here we go. Looks like the four is that the four seed is all in. Four seats all in against the one seat. All right, let's take a look at the hands. Queen of Clubs, Queen of Spades versus Ace of Hearts and Ace of Diamond. Let's Diamond go Aces! Has pocket Aces. Aces covers? You know yeah. player in white? You no know player has Aces? No, Queens. You're actively rooting for someone's downfall. Eight of hearts, seven of clubs, nine of spades. Job possibilities. No, no, aces are all in. Oh, God damn it. God damn it. <laughs> We're looking for a queen. River Bear was the second club. Nope. Aces pulled up. We're going to double up. Good luck. An elimination. And we're on. All right, Lamana. Right, dealers take their seats. All right, guys, I gotta, I gotta go. See you in another uh, fold. Back in. Yeah, well, we can do that. <laughs> Get back seat. in there, buddy. Good luck. Thanks, Brian Lamana. Everyone, that was that was remarkable coverage. I'm very disappointed we didn't actually get the the full bubble experience of uh, somebody losing. How how are all these good hands out there? I, Shouldn't we assume that the short stack should have aces in all these spots? Yeah. Like in a room full of... Well, one was ace-king versus queens. The guy found yeah. the fucking ace. I mean, we yeah. had our opportunity. So, uh, just for some context, <clears throat> Ewan sent me this from somebody who started the main day four with three big blinds in the big. So he drew the big with three big blinds. Oh my god, bad beat. And he sends around this letter. Dear friend. So, the... C communal the, friend, yeah, the friend, the proverbial uh, friend, yeah, yeah. dear friend. 
He didn't take the time to look at the people at his table, make each one their own little special I mean, one. Come on. Dear friend, I've traveled all the way from China to participate in the prestigious WSOP tournament, and making it into the money circle means everything to me. Not only would a successful WSOP performance greatly boost my chances of getting into an American university, but the prize money would also be used to fulfill a dream honeymoon with my beloved girlfriend. I come to you with a heartfelt plea. This is in bold. I kindly ask for your support in a single request. Highlighted. Please refrain from raising during my very first big blind. It would mean the world to me if you could grant me this small favor, allowing me to survive another crucial round. Rest assured, once I secure a place in the money, I will boldly go all in without hesitation. <laughs> I cannot express enough gratitude for your understanding and kindness. As a representative of China, I wholeheartedly extend my best wishes to you for a stroke of luck and success in the remaining games. Warm regards from Gao. Okay, Gao's wow. a cheater. <laughs> How much money do you think he's asking for from the table for this? I don't know, a few hundred bucks. Maybe a little Less. more. Uh, Less? Yeah. Yeah. Would they oblige? I don't know. Oh, we, we need still, updates, bro. Yeah, yeah we need is, some updates. Brian. Get Brian on the phone. Still in. What table what table you got? Brian, Brian, Brian call back report. in. Lamanna <laughs> just sprints over like table six oh seven is Gow here. <laughs> Didn't you guys give him a walk? Uh, apparently Patrick just tweeted that somebody that was auto all in from a big blind got mm. a walk. Stop it. That's collusion. I don't know what happened, but someone <laughs> fucking collusion, man. Someone you that can't was all do in from the they big just got, got. They all got deuce three off. It says every single. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Jose, uh, Hossein was automatically all in from the big line for fifteen thousand chips during hand for hand. However, the entire table folded, and he won back his own chips wow. plus the small blind enough to survive in orbit. Honestly, like. All jokes aside, this type of stuff happens in the main event a lot. You scam develop, it, well, you develop some sort of level of like camaraderie with the people at your table. It's a lot of recreationals. They all want to support each other to get into the money. This is going to lead us very well into the payout <laughs> situation that, that we're going to discuss today because there are definitely two components to players in the main. There are... Oh, Lamanna's back? All right, I'll save my diatribe. Go on. Go on, young tort. Oh, we're, we're back. Um, <laughs> you guys go ahead. Uh, talk. We gotta, we're probably gonna have a couple minutes before uh, you know we get the uh, the all inning calls and. The okay. Okay. Have you performed any camaraderie attempts with your I'm just, I'm with your saying. teammates? We 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 appreciate any, the live updates. Uh, have you become friends with your table? Will, will they give you a walk if you need it for the bubble? Uh, no. There's a guy with um <laughs> uh, like one point. No, this guy was like one point three million. So he's just he's just opening every hand as he should. And everybody else is pretty short, so um, yeah, it's, uh, it's just going to be him winning pots until this thing busts. Which yeah, I was respect to that man because I would like to, you know, start playing poker again. We hear yeah. you. No, for sure, he's doing exactly what he should do. So what, what I what I what I begin to say is that there are like two two parts and two components to any big event like this. You have the professionals and you have the amateurs that are here to enjoy the experience, and the issue is that their incentives are greatly disaligned, right? Like for the amateur, part of enjoying the experience is just simply cashing. It means a lot. It's why we pay 15% of the field. It's why it's one and a half X buy-in whenever you do cash for that much of the field getting paid. And that gives them an enjoyable experience. It gives them a story. It gives them all this stuff to talk about. The problem is if you get eight or nine of them at the table, now there's no pro there to police them when a man is all in in the big blind and you're not allowed to give him a fucking walk. Yeah. You know, like technically there's nothing against the rules, but it's like if even one pro is at the table, they're going to say, hey, like, you know, call the floor. Yeah. You, you, just, you can't 
this you're is, not allowed to fold, man. This is scam. Well, you, can't, you can't force action. I mean, yeah, that's fair. I, I mean, what 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 do you? It sounds like he was all in for less than the big blind. He was. Like, what do you do there? I mean, I wonder if he was like effectively all in. Like, I wonder if he had like a chip or a couple chips behind or something. Right. You can come up with like a couple hands and stack distributions where like. I mean, so you're right. What, though, what, if leader, what if there's a chip leader exactly. at the table who wants to preserve the ball? Exactly. Back? I was just about to say, you're, you're kind of right. If you're chip leading and you're in the small blind, it folds to you. Love that shit. Right? Love that you shit. Just muck. <laughs> you just muck and you play another hand on the well, ball. The issue is hand for hand is so slow that you don't get to take enough true. advantage of it. I mean, the it. thing is, even if he doubles, the bubble still stays. Yeah, but if he doesn't double, you win his chips. I, right. I, I think we have an all in and we have all in the phone. Brian's bandwidth oh, is low. <laughs> It's is it so low? Good. Can you see shit? It's well, as Brian network bandwidth is low. No. But his effort is high. Yeah, that's right. Because the, uh, <laughs> the Wi-Fi is really bad. Oh my god, this oh, is look so... Oh, here. Poker Llama. Oh, it's Edwin. You're on the Only Friends podcast right now. Hi, Edwin. <laughs> I love it, man. I love it. He's can this, get, can this get a GPI... Yeah, uh, killer right here. You're going to yeah. win an award for Sideline Reporter of the Year for sure. Yeah, none of us got might, no chance. Yeah, I might get a job from Poker.org. That's right. You're right on the front lines. I mean, this is this is the important yeah, work. I what was the table? Was 2K was behind me. I think so you have easy. to bulldoze your way over there and say, Tortoise is in. Tortoise is in. We need him to get the coverage for the people. Tortoise, can, can you guys see what's happening We can, yeah, we can see, good. but we can't really see, if that makes sense. <laughs> Oh we can, they drag this out so long. We can see, well, but we don't what happens, know what we're looking for. So what happens for. is they wait for every table to finish playing the hands. Mm -hmm. Anybody who's all in and called, they hold the hands. Yeah. So nobody tables. So this, sorry. this guy no right here, he has, one, he has one chip left. So oh, shit. he folded. So he will be all in automatically in the small blind next hand. So he really needed to bust this hand. <laughs> happens every year. The, the one guy holding the chip, you know. So more yeah. See, I, mean, I, got, than, I got 11 yeah. and a half blinds. It makes me feel like I have. Uh... Isn't that huge right, for you anyway? <laughs> it is, yeah. yeah. That is huge. That's huge for me. Listen, like, if I double up, I'm going to go. Yeah, look you're, you're going to be a problem. <laughs> <laughs> Bulldozer! Oh, man. Right. I hope everyone at home is enjoying this as much as we are. <laughs> We have moved away from the coverage. Look back at Brian Lamanis, Taylor's injury. You're doing sure. the hard work, Brian. I think, I think the like the bubble bursting, like that flurry yeah, of bust outs afterwards, yeah. is hilarious. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, well, I mean, you know, you see how the distribution is. There's probably so many people with single digit blinds. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I can. Oh. I think I can. I think I can knit it up enough to make the pay jump. <laughs> I was actually going to ask if that was the plan. Was like wait for those suckers to bust in the right. next 200 spots. It depends if he gets Honestly, queens or not. I think, I think there's like um, I think. 250 busts and there's a pay jump so like that'll happen very quickly actually yeah but i mean i'm not i'm not going to be folding you know queens i shouldn't i shouldn't tell my i shouldn't speak in my strategy out loud to the table <laughs> well you did already say that you, you're gonna fold jacks right here is really, he's just uh he's <laughs> He's, he's listening intently. Yeah, he's I mean, locked in. I mean, you did say you were going to open fold jacks under the gun, so <laughs> I think he knows. Maybe there's levels to this game. Oh, yeah, 100%. He's advertising, man. He's about to go ape shit after the bubble burst. <laughs> Gal is under the gun on the stone bubble right now. He's whipped out the elephant of God for good luck. <laughs> I have a picture. Oh, man, we, meet, we need more Gal updates. We need more Gal. This is what, so what is incredible. his Twitter, Landon? I, I'm going to send you an image, Guapo. 
He, he doesn't have Twitter. Guapo. Uh, he he's Twitter. sending handwritten notes <laughs> to sent, his table. Uh, yeah, he sent a, he sent a heartfelt letter. <laughs> I think he's a Triton reg. Here he is. I sent you a picture, Guapo. It's not, I sent it to you. What's up? Man, this is an unexpected fun. What a wonderful story we, that I was not planning on today. Well, does the elephant of God pull through for Gao? Yes, no. He has one big blind. He's under the gun on the stone bubble. So if the guy, go, if people don't go all in, he will be all in. I think the bubble ends this hand. I think so too. You think the elephant of God is going to work? Yeah. I, I, I mean, I don't think the elephant of God is causing it to happen. Didn't last hand, but well, we lost the flip. I like how you use we. Like <laughs> uh, I'm invested, man. <laughs> I'm an investor here. You are an, oh, you're an investor in the tortoise. I, I'm financially invested in the tortoise. I'm emotionally invested in getting this moment on my podcast, like capturing it all. Are for you invested in Gao's story? I'm highly invested in Gao at this point. I want to know about the the girlfriend, the honeymoon plans. We got to get him on the podcast. I want to know when the penalty is going to occur for him. <laughs> for, for him talking his table mates into colluding. Well. He, how to win friends and influence people, right? That's true. That's true. Who does it better? <laughs> I have one simple plea. I, I will say, writing a handwritten letter in English, if that's not your first language, is a very good way. It wasn't handwritten. It was typed. Oh, whatever. Either way, it's a very good <laughs> way to tug at the heartstrings. If you like, literally look at somebody sure. and say, like, I can't speak these words, but this is what I want, please. <laughs> like, how do you You'll not get just say... you get him good for sure. There he is. You not just say, okay. Let's we're, go, we're Gal. for you, buddy. Let's go, Gal. Let's go. W's in the chat for Gao. Well, if he bubbles, he gets a seat next year. Yeah. That's that's worth something. It's always a secret, non-confirmed, but confirmed uh, thing that happens every yeah. year. No, yeah. I, think it's, I think it's being advertised this year. I, I yeah, I think most years it is. Uh, Jack can't wait to like go around the room and find the bubble boy and you know guarantee him 24. Maybe this is the segue we want. Yeah, more promos. Someone, someone, <laughs> yeah. said, someone said you have to be uh, uh, like a GT Prime member or something to get that. Oh, that, uh, no, that's separate. GG is selling uh, yeah. or is offering bubble insurance. Yeah, that's oh, really? That's separate. For yeah. anyone who has a membership or status with them. Oh, but it's just like free. Yeah, for with, with yeah, membership yeah, yeah. or something. Yeah, okay. I see, I see. Bubble insurance is interesting. Remember when Mormon created that bubble insurance I company? I remember that. What is I wonder this? how that did. Probably not great. Wait, go Pros on. Pros are too sharp, man. Like, professional poker players are way too sharp. I think this. Uh, I think this trend of of uh, like selling selling action and yourself in the money is interesting. Yeah, selling an ICM value like yeah, plus yeah it's, minus. it's pretty fascinating. We were talking about. Uh, you see Perkins tweet. Yeah. yeah. So I thought he was like drastically overpaying. Um, what else is new for Perkins? <laughs> that's fair. No. Well, you know, something not everyone gets the Relax, best. Relax, buddy. Relax. <laughs> Awkward. <laughs> we've, been over, we've been over this many times. Awkward turtle. Um, <laughs> Brian yeah, on the think, bubble with Jax. I think he offered somebody. Uh, I think he offered somebody 10k for 10 percent of six starting stacks on what day two, I guess, which is probably you know top 25 percent of the field at that point. But it seems really hard for the stack to be worth 100k. Do you know Derek Walters? Yeah. So did you see his his ICM no. stuff? So he posted. He did that last year. He posted right? ICM. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. I'd like to know where like this model's coming from that like can do right uh, ICM for this many. HRC can do it, but I'm not sure if it works for field this size. Yeah, he's got it. Like he's got it like 1,500 people deep. Yeah. But I was, you know, I was asking my roommate this morning, like, what do you think chances? Because chances chipped yeah. it. Right. right. What do you think chances stack is worth ICM wise? Mm -hmm. And he's like, I don't know, three or four hundred k. And it's like, no, it's 195. Yeah, and I, honestly, like, I'm a little surprised it's even that high. 
Like 195, that means you have to finish in the top 40. Top 30, maybe. Um, on average. But that's not how you should think about it, right? Cause how, how do you think about it? Well, it's, it's like the percentage of the times you get first, second, yeah, third. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, Sorry. I mean, like... Your average result is roughly 40th place It's money. hard to visualize the mean of a distribution that has, like, uh, such a long tail. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's a really good point. Hmm. It's interesting, um, right? Because you think you can look at it from the sense of your stack right now, the average percentage of what it's worth is 195. That's what that's that means. What my stack worth. Your stack is probably infinite, worth buddy, like infinite in your hands. Priceless. Fifteen thousand and five dollars. Yeah, uh, five dollars. <laughs> it's gotta be, it's gotta be worth a lot more than that. Your your point's really valid, Barber, about like not being able to envision uh, the distribution when the tail is so long. So like you just you finish below that mark at such a wide so often. Yeah, so often, but like just winning it once in a reasonable uh, sample wipes all of that out. You know. All right, Tortoise, walk us through it. Run us through it. Seat number one's all in. Seat number one has. Aces for seat four. Seat four has aces. Oh, it's aces versus kings. Kings is the short stack. Oh, shit. Oh, it's over, baby. It's the elephant of God come through. Nothing on the flop. Nothing on the flop. Turn on with the jack. The jack is taking. Turn the jack. He's a king. King to stay along the aces. Yep. No king, and we're in the money. King. Turn with the jack. That's it. We did it. Why is anybody cheering? Everyone's cheering. Oh, we can't hear it. No. Everyone's cheering. Everyone's cheering. Brian's telling us they're cheering. So that's my fifth main main event cash. Let's go, Tortoise. That's my fourth cash in a row here at the WSOP. Let's go. He's heating up. The Tortoise Let's stock is rising. Tortoise stock is rising. Maybe, is it possible uh, to get in on the ground floor? Watching, watching those, maybe, maybe watching all those videos on SulfurY.io has really paid off. Oh, Jesus there you Christ. Go. Ooh, excellent plug, you know manager. There's a new episode of the grind never stops, Levan. The grind never stops. We appreciate you, homie. Never stops, man. Never stops. All right, get back to the table. Spin that eleven big blinds up. Give us an update on dinner. Uh, best of luck. They got two more. They got. They got two more all ins to go. Yeah, we don't care. We don't care. The bubble already burst. And we'll hang around. I'll listen to you guys. All right, brother. Let's take a look. We're going to get to the payout discussion. Just uh, give yourself a little mute so I don't have to hear Jack. Queen of hearts, queen of diamonds. Queen of hearts, queen of diamonds. Let's take a look at the block. Put it out there and leave it out of the mood. He's still trying. There you go. I was going to say, please show him. Boomerang his way through. Oh, man. Incredible stuff. All right, well, that's the manager, a.k.a. The <laughs> it looks like Gal got his cash. Yeah, did Gal really? did it. Congratulations, Gal. Right. Congratulations, LaManna. Everybody in the money at the WSOP. We love the WSOP. That's going to bring us to our main talking point. What a great, what a great fucking segue. <laughs> uh, so the payout structure came out on Saturday? It most certainly did. Saturday or Sunday? All Saturday. right, I'm out, guys. All right, see you later. We got, we got one more. <laughs> one more. Um, 
Pats came out on Saturday. Good. Oh, wait. How do they do the bubble chop? Let's say three people bust on the... Do they do it by stack or no? No, no only at the same table. So this is... Uh, I don't know if you saw it. We talked about this earlier in the summer. Uh, they have the policy where if you're at the same table, the highest stack or, or whoever had the most chips gets the, the prize, right? Mm -hmm. But if it's separate tables, then they chop it. But only for the exact bubble. And uh, there was a scenario that presented itself this year where there were two tables left in the tournament. I think it was the six max event, six max event. And uh, two people were forced, maybe not forced all in, but whatever. Like two people were all in effectively with one chip behind. This is with two tables running. Yeah, it was Huni with two tables running simultaneously. And neither one of them would put their other chip in. So they're at a Mexican standoff where Huni is like basically sending people to the other table saying, we're not going to act until this guy goes all in. Send the troops. And uh, there was like no floor person around to police it. So they ran into this like really weird scenario uh, where I don't know what ultimately ended up happening, but I think both of them got clock called on them and whichever one was unfortunate enough to get clock called on first ended up busting like eighth and seventh. Uh, and that this had happened so to me. I was that you, had the, you had this happen to you a few years ago, right? 10K6 max. Uh, there was no floor person it just vacated for some reason with eight people left and it was a feature table and a side feature and they were very far apart from one another so we had no idea what was going on either we were just playing accordingly we weren't sweating the jumps and two of us ended up all in and called busting relatively simultaneously we both like walk up to the payout desk together no floor person to give us a ticket nothing eventually somebody comes just hands us each a ticket and we just get arbitrary places so we are in the assumption that they're going to do what they did uh like here with the bubble and we were just going to chop but they don't do that because <laughs> the places are fixed and they don't right. facilitate chops right so we're just like at the cage and tommy comes in and he's like uh look i'm gonna be honest with you guys we're gonna pay out seventh and eighth place and the way we're gonna do is we're gonna go back and look at the footage and see which one of you actually busted in real time first but that's gonna take hours and I just look at the kid, I was like, I don't want to wait for this. Can we just like make a deal? I have no idea who this kid is. Yeah. He's like, he's like, yeah, sure. Uh, I'm in a tax exempt country. Like, let me just take seventh. You take eighth and then I'll pay you the difference. And I was like, okay, done. But like, you know, Love if that's not a high exempt. roller tournament, right. it's a mess. And I think with the Huni situation, they ultimately did end up chopping it. Uh, I think the World Series facilitated it. They, or, or no, actually they, inv they invoked the rule of whichever one of them started the hand with more chips even though they weren't at the same table, got the higher position. So in this case, with the main event bubble, if three people busted on the direct bubble, they would chop, chop. three... 15K. They okay. each get 5K. Got it. Yeah. Man, that would be ra rather sad. Play a 10K tournament, yeah. get 5K back. No, no, no. They wouldn't, they wouldn't chop 15K. Because if they're on the stone bubble, there's oh, one... Oh, sorry. They chop 30K. 30K, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because there's two places, right? Okay. Only one of them bubbles. Yeah. Oh, I see. Yeah. yeah, my bad. You're right. So they get their buy-in back. <clears throat> yeah. And if they're two out of the money and three people bust, then uh, they would chop 15K. I see. So less than a buy-in back. But yeah. yeah. In the same way that like in, in poker, we realize how many things we didn't know 10 or 20 years ago. Yeah. It's remarkable that only in the last couple of years, people have been like hyper aware of these payout jumps and stuff like this. Yeah, I think... The standoff should have been occurring for years. For sure. Well, I think, I think that much like the guy getting a walk when he's forced all in, uh, there's a certain aspect of live poker that has existed and been preserved for decades where first and foremost, it's a gentleman's game. 
and we all play by these unwritten rules. It's very baseball-esque in that regard, right? Like there's this whole unwritten rule book that you dare not tamper with. Then the Euros came. Like bat flipping? No, not bat flipping. (laughs) Like hitting people in the head when you're purposely throwing at them. Mm. Uh, that is an unreal like beanballing them well you're allowed to hit people beanballing is part of it you <clears throat> retaliate but you always aim for the for the meaty areas the the middle of the you back or the, the ass yeah yeah <laughs> um anyway uh i think what happened was we lost online poker and the euros retained it and they got really <laughs> sharp when it comes to how you make money in this game yes and, and for years, we just were like, okay, but those are the online nerds, and they're relegated to their space, so we don't care. Stay out of here. Like, leave our pre- prehistoric era alone. We like what's going on here. <laughs> but then eventually, they were like, all the big prize pools are live. We're <laughs> fucking coming for you guys. And they showed up, and they stalled. The British are coming. Yeah, and they tanked, <laughs> and they, they fucking left one chip behind, and you know they were folding off of five big blinds, where in the past, we were rocketing it off with 20. Yeah. And it's just like, all of a sudden, everybody had to adapt. And now I think we're in this like weird middling phase where, again, you have these two cohorts that uh, kind of butt heads in any event. You have the people there that, as recreation and fun, and this is their hobby, and then people are seriously <laughs> doing it to try to make money. Wait, sorry. I just got an update about the bubble from the main. So uh, my friend has texted me, hello, this is comical. So three bust outs on direct bubble. So there were three. Two 15K paid places and the seat. In, the seat being if yeah, you stone yeah. bubble, you get a seat for next year. Sure. Instead of splitting the seat value, they're doing a flip for one of the three to get the yeah. seat and splitting the 30K in cash. Yeah, they always do this. So someone is going to bubble for 20K min cash is 15K. No. It's a 5K difference. Wait a minute. One person gets a seat, the other two cash. That was not my interpretation of what he just read. My interpretation of what he just read is that, um, that they're going to drop. Oh, they're still going to do it and get a seat. Yes. Oh, okay. So they're all going to get 10K and then one person's getting an additional seat. That's what I think. That's better. That's I think that's better, yeah. to be honest. Instead of splitting the seat value. So basically, yeah. you're gambling. Stupid. You can't split the seat value. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's a promotion. Yeah. yeah. What are you, you going to have 33% of each other? <laughs> Swap. <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't mind that. Yeah. Imagine if all three of them were like collectively together and they're about to flip and they just look and one of them is like Makita. And it's just like, <laughs> How about you take the seat and we get a 30? <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. You just start doing strategy. Swap and he, strategy. And he just looks at me and goes, no. Yeah, no. <laughs> you <laughs> take the seat. <laughs> like, I'd rather not take the seat. Yeah. Um, anyway, sorry. But yeah, so and you, you end up with these two two uh, very different I, w- I would add groups. a third leg okay, to, go ahead. To, this, to this chair, which is the operators. Yes. Because I actually fair. think their incentives matter a lot in this discussion as well. I think that's true, too. Um, I, I think... I think I initially framed it out this way because we were talking about the mechanics of the game more so than the payout structure first. And from everything I can tell, the operators just do not give a shit about what happens within the framework of the game. As long as the structure runs smoothly, they just don't care where money is being stolen from the the two different players. As long as they get the rake dollars, it's fine. Yeah. It's kind of like anything goes. And I'm not going to go down the path of it's stealing... (laughs) <laughs> to to stall and be like egregious with the time like we've done this enough but like it largely is only going to be the pros that are doing it and they really are robbing not just from each other because one of at different junctures they're all going to be the chip leader and they're going to get stolen from but they're really sucking a lot of ev from the amateurs who are otherwise playing fast yeah. by the way i th- i don't think that this is going to be a problem for much longer really uh, yeah so i had a discussion i think it was last summer 
uh, with James Chen, who's like been actively working on this, he mm -hmm. got uh, absolutely lambasted for saying that like stalling is a form of cheating. Yeah, because by criticized, of course, by all the people who do it, of course, <laughs> to some degree. Um, it's like he, ducking a big blind, in my opinion. Yeah, to totally. Uh, yeah. Ooh, interesting. I am sprinting. I am sprinting to take the big blinds at this point because I really want to signal that like this is something Agreed. we can do. Agreed, interesting yeah. thing that happened yesterday. It's not that serious, but someone gets a table draw. They see that they're not. They're coming to the table for this time. Gem six seventeen hundred. Oh yeah. They see that they're not going to get big blind, so they're going to get free hands. Bro sprints to the table because he sees the dealer dealing and then like takes free hand. How do we feel about this? Um, I don't feel whatever. great about it. I don't feel great about it, but uh, I did see somebody tweet that um, they got someone a one round penalty for ducking their big blind the last level, or sorry, uh, the hand for hand of, of the um, end of day two, and they never felt more alive. And like, I'm, I, I, I'm totally for this. Like, shaming this EV Same. sucking Same. behavior is Boo so this important. Man. But the problem is we don't get supported by the operators. Like, not that they won't soft support in the sense of, like, issuing the penalty, but they won't when it comes to, to clocking people. I mean, it was terrible in the 3K that I went relatively deep in. And, yeah, one of the floor guys stood by our table and was clocking people relatively quickly, but he was still giving them 20 seconds, and he was still giving them some courtesy to look at their hand, which ends up being 40 seconds, and he was never penalizing anyone. Yeah. I think I saw uh, Lappin make a tweet that he was tanking in a spot. Oh yeah, they looked at his hand, and they looked at they they peeled his hand from the muck to see if he was like willfully tanking or not. It was in a satellite. Yeah. Thoughts on this? Uh, they're not. They're it's not a, qualified. It's a dangerous road. You yeah, they're just down. they're just not qualified to look at. I I really liked Kessler's idea like four or five years ago. Oh my god! Wow. Of <laughs> when someone's in the tank, like you know, big river tank or something like that. When they fold, you expose their hand. Like they have to expose their hand. Oh, so they're not like they don't have like ten high on the river or some shit. Yeah, something that could like just never make any strategic option other than fold. I think maybe the better option, the easier to police option, is just have a, a clock that decreases. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I think we all want the chess clock, right? Yeah, and it's, I think that's that's what James is working on. Is I think he's oh, okay something something that is because I think asking the the floors to do this is unreasonable. Yeah, I also think asking the dealers to do it is unreasonable, and that's where I lose sight of how the chess clock could work. I mean, I think it's still like in like the development process, but I, I, I do think that this just is not going to be a problem five years from now. Or right, like right. I think at some point we should start using RFID technology uh, to speed up the game rather than just to display it for the public. It, it would be very easy uh, using RFID because of the way that the system tracks where you don't even need to go through all the loopholes of, or, or sorry, jumping through all the hoops of like, uh, tracking how much, how many chips everybody has, everything else. It's literally just a name and a seat. Like uh, EPT does this a really great job of it. They have everything automated. You yep. can move to a table. It's in the database. Like everything is just. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard about this. Uh, it, it's really well done. If you can do that, and you just play RFID cards on every single table. Now every time you take a folding action, your clock stops. Right. If you have cards, your clock runs. Uh, it, it seems like very reasonable. The only difficulty there. I guess would be you might need somebody manually on each table to yeah. to shift from player to player. Yeah, it's it's it will be costly. Yeah, yeah. Which well, what are the chances, bro? <laughs> yeah, you I know? mean, if you could figure out a way to do it cheaply, right, um, right, some, some kind of system. Um, I, I think the difficult with doing it cheaply is how do you automate it? Because if it has to be manually started and stopped, the human error slash ability to gamify it is just so great. Which is annoying. Um, we as humans are annoying. Yeah. So let's get to the let's get 
let's get to the payouts a bit because this is a big topic of discussion <clears throat> one that i might be too passionate about uh but i'll, I'll you've give, changed your ways i was gonna say i'll give the full scope of this as i was very very wrong the first time this topic came up eight years ago nine years ago something like that good on you um <laughs> the payouts were released and obviously it's a marquee event it's gonna get national news it's the biggest world series main event of all time they if you include the rake they cracked 100 million in the prize pool um and you know they should do everything on earth to brand this but i start to take issue with them forcefully making first place greater than jamie gold's year right just for the memes i mean it's not for the memes it's it's to be catchy and grab headlines and stuff like that but the thing is is that we're talking astronomical numbers it wouldn't matter if first place was six million or 20 million it's an eye-grabbing number big dollars yeah huge huge amounts of money that aren't being played for literally anywhere else outside of like you know high six-figure low seven-figure buy-in tournaments that have 50 people in them yeah which so like, is uh not for the common man no yeah they're, they're not even really aware of it right, right. so so from my framework if i'm an operator here if i believe jack is largely in charge of the payout stru structure it, if if this is my job for me personally and don't get me wrong maybe it's maybe it's coming from the higher ups of like we have to crack that number we have to do this thing that thing right because like if you look at payout structures for the last decade there's a gimmick almost every single year 2014 they forced 10 million to first the martin, ja martin jacobson year and it was a $5 million discrepancy between first and second place. <laughs> really? Ninth place was 790000 First so place much, is $10 million, right? so like, So awful. Especially if you're new house who like just goes back to back and somehow doesn't win very much money for two ninth places. I am places. not getting ninth again. <laughs> well, I, he won't this year. Yeah. Um, PG Newhouse. So they, 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 they did that gimmick that year. They've done the everybody makes a million at the final table gimmick a bunch. And it always causes problems because... The issue is that when you're creating these payout structures, and again, like, you know, I don't do this for a living, but like, I have a fair idea of how exponential growth works and distribution charts and things like that. Uh, in order to get it right, you're always pulling and tugging from different parts of the distribution and it makes it very off, let's yeah. say, right? So the general rule that we like to abide by is ninth place is ten, uh, about 10% of first. That, that seems to be the general ratio that you deal with. The issue becomes then if you force a million to first or sorry to to ninth now either you force 10 million also to first or you take that money off the top and we live with the ratio i think everybody would be okay with a little bit more of an economical flat structure of the final table but now you can't have this great divide between ninth and tenth tenth and twelfth type of thing right like yeah. it has to be a gradual escalation that's just the nature it needs to be uniform of mtt's right and from my personal perspective, if this were my job and I didn't have to answer to anybody, which I'm sure Jack does, so like I don't want to put this all on him, but if I didn't have to answer to anybody and it was just like, create the best payout structure that you possibly can, for me, my number one focus would just be make it equitable for the people who run super deep and then the people who cash that we want to give an experience to. Right. You have like two little blocks. Yeah. You have the cash block and then you have the deep run block. Right. Distribute a bunch of money to the average player so that they keep coming back they check that box 15 percent of the field i'm personally okay with this do you think 15 percent with uh 15k cash is good bad like maybe a little like min cash greater or less i think you can ask andrew i'm I mean, personally there's a reason 15k it. is chosen it's because it's the max you can can get without a tax form 
Oh, is I it? didn't know that. I thought it was. I thought it was less than 10. Oh, right, because it's 5K, 5K profit. on top of the cash. Right, right, yeah. That's why it's always used as the... Oh, it's so cash. smart. It is very smart. Yeah. It's one of the smarter things that they do. Yeah, that's actually genius. <laughs> okay, so that's good for them and the people, I suppose. Not getting taxed is nice. Yeah. Uh, also, it allows them to pay 15% instead of, say, 125 right? Because um, if you start giving a double cash, like, call it 20K... That money has to come from somewhere. A lot of people now are making yeah. 20K plus. Okay, so you feel as if the 15K is good, 15% is fine. I was a big proponent of switching to 15%. Um, I think 15K is the perfect amount for the, for the min cash. I think you should have the most gradual ramping up in yeah. the first 300, 400, 500 places. I would say like the 5%. That additional 5% that we're paying, right? If the usual cash would be like 10, 10%, or the, the, the previous standard was 10%. Let's, let's have this be pretty gradual from like 15K to call it like 20 or 22K, something like that, yeah. from 15% down to 10. Let them make a little bit of extra money for leveling up, but like it's a mass exodus. You don't want to deal with the payouts where you know the tournament gets stalled because you have to make sure that people are getting paid in the right. So you want big blocks of people Totally. To yeah. be busting for the same amount of money. Doesn't it make sense to have these weird small page jumps for every hundred people? Yeah. Just do it by percentage. You effectively want ICM to be unimportant once the bubble breaks, I think. Right. At least right. For, 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 like for a period of time. Important, unimportant for a while, and then back to being relatively reasonable. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so the first problem we have, like the, why this is, <laughs> uh, why there's so much hubbub about this, is because the Jamie Gold year, they paid 10%. Uh, I think they switched in 2015, 2016 to 15%. Yeah. And you're comparing apples and oranges. Right. So like trying to beat the Jamie Gold year for first prize is, is a silly exercise because you're having to pay Even 50% more people. more people. Right. So they really screwed themselves there. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, they're, they're ultimately trying to push a, you know, a square peg into a round hole. Right. What was the min cash Jamie Gold year? Was it still 15? No, because they paid 10% of the field. So right. I, I would assume without looking, it was 20. And it might even have been slightly higher. Is this, is this the payout out. right here, Guapo? Yeah, this is, is Jamie Gold. Can you look and see what the min cash is? I gotta find it on WSOP. This is the tweet. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, He's laughing. Chris is... <laughs> yeah, if you just Google uh, 2006 WSOP main event, it should pop up. Um, I, would, I would guess it's somewhere between like 18 and 24,000. I'll take under 24 for a lot. <laughs> yeah, okay. Okay, fine. Uh, maybe set a little too high of a ceiling there, but... Um, I, I would I would happily take over seventeen ninety nine. Ooh, I because I I kind of like seventeen ish. Okay, I'll take. We'll find out here. Yeah, I'll, I'll it's a bet on it first. We talk about betting on things. Slap I don't bet. have a high degree of confidence. Oh wow! Just kidding. It was fourteen ten thousand. You got your buy in back? Oh, they chopped. No, they didn't chop the bubble. It was just ten thousand six sixteen. No way! Holy shit! You guys, they were fucking ruthless back then. Yeah. No wonder things changed. Jeff Sanford is not a happy guy. Okay, so like in all reality, then uh, even even with only paying ten percent back then, first place should have been like eight to ten million. If yeah. they were if they were really thinking about their consumer base. Oh, they because they should have distributed more to the. You would, you to the have bottom? to distribute more to the bottom. You, I mean, back then we didn't know. But hold Look on a second. But why, do, why do they have to? Because here's okay. the thing: is like if the market will bear these terrible fucking min caches. Well, that's the thing: is I don't think over the long run the market can bear the terrible min cache. Kind of. Oh, we, yeah. We've evolved, right? That's always the tricky thing about any kind of like poker players are, are 
one of the things that's really annoying that poker players do is they'll look at an existing uh, like business or institution and they'll be like, there's so many things wrong with this. I could fix so much about this. Yeah. Like, like they think they can better optimize. And the thing is like, no, things are generally pretty good on average. Like businesses are pretty well run on yeah. average. And yeah. the World Series is operating is like a, such a well-oiled machine. Agreed. And people say, oh, we need to fix so much. It's like, I don't know if there would be that much benefit to some of the things. That no, they need to fix some small details. S like super small details. Yeah, like let's keep the bathrooms clean. And, you know, uh, I think that they could do a better like yeah. alternate line system uh, similar to like what the other properties do where they just tweet out now seating X whatever yeah, yeah. so you know you don't have to just stand in line sure. for hours it's more so operational stuff. but yeah like small small like not foundational things no no i think uh, look they don't get enough praise and totally. i know that they're under the magnifying glass every time that they run and the praise is usually back-ended to like you know early august whenever we say wow what another wonderful summer right but like while they're actually in the spotlight there aren't enough of us singing the praises saying like can you fucking believe we just broke a record you know ten thousand people showed up with 10k and are playing this massive event that's going to be national. Every every outlet's going to grab the headlines. Mm -hmm. Like they're phenomenal at what they do. They get people to come through the door in droves. Yeah, it's but amazing. I, I also think like we're worried. Like we want to preserve this yeah. for as long as possible. Totally. Right. And I guess to answer your question from my perspective, um, there has been some evolution there, and I think that it's been necessary based off of what we saw online. So I feel like online is the place we can always look the data points because there's actual sample. Right, so sure, maybe the main event would survive forever if we paid out ten thousand one one dollar to all the min caches, and we only gave five percent of the field their money back, and you know we gave fifty million to first. I'm sure it would still be what it is, but like at any reasonable sample, we <laughs> start to understand. Point, you got to shrink it. Well, yeah, we just like start to understand ROIs. Like I think this year, for the first time, discussions are being had where we're coming to grips with the fact that like not only are all these markups for the main event ridiculous. But the amount of people who are actually even winning is so small compared to what we believed it to be five or ten years okay, ago. Okay, go on. Like, go, how so? Ten years ago, I think that it was easily believed that there was so much dead money in the main event that more than half the field would be profitable. Dead money meaning... Okay. That wasn't a real belief that people held. I no, mean, I think you're being a little I'm being hyperbolic. facetious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you're right. It, but you're it right. was a high percentage, like maybe yes. 20, 30 percent or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, like exactly. That. Sorry, uh, I should I should speak more literally. I think whenever we're talking numbers, but you know the the, Loves the exactly adage right. of uh, if your grandmother has a pulse, I'd put her in the main <laughs> type of thing, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and, and I guess what the, where this really shakes out is like yeah, twenty or thirty percent of the field was probably like profitable. But the next, the next wave, uh, let's call it like that middle chunk, they, they weren't losing that much. Like a lot of the losses were coming from 20 or 30% of the field. What do you think ROIs for those people were like losing a bunch? Like what do you think the average loser is? Now I think it's way less. Like maybe, I don't know, on Negative. average minus 5 to 10% ROI. Do you think it's... I would go higher. I would... You think it's much I would more? Go more in the negative direction, I, but I, I don't think I would go much more. I think okay. like minus 20, minus 25%. Okay, but like 20 years ago or 15 years ago, very conceivable that the average loss rate might be double that. Yes. Yeah. As in I mean, there was, there was literally so just like money. a huge chunk of the field that was dead. I once went to a, a conference that Brandon Adams put together, and it was like this fascinating conference. It was called Macro Sports, and it was like a bunch of luminaries and like the field of like sports betting and crypto and hedge funds and poker and economics. And Nate Silver was the keynote speaker. 
and oh. he showed like a mathematical demonstration of like what happens when you add a good player to a player pool mm. what happens when you remove a whale from a player pool and like the removal of a whale is just devastating yeah just completely this wrecks is the economy. how high stakes poker works as a whole yeah right? yeah and like whales have just been removing themselves from the the ecosystem <laughs> right. for a long time come right. back to us <laughs> come back well and, save and not, the not, whales not only, <laughs> save not the, only <laughs> i'm starting to save a whales organization not only are they removing themselves but they're also not being replaced by one good pro, but like a multitude of good pros because... Uh, because uh, the British are coming. No, no, no. Not necessarily. Maybe I'm over-exaggerating this point. Or, but or, just, or bad regs. I mean, like... Yeah, that, that was where I was going yeah, with this. Yeah. Was that... Uh, like mercy. Or, and maybe I'm like over-exaggerating this point, but, you know, basically the baseline for what was previously thought to be bad, that bar is elevating. Yes. Right? And the gap maybe between the elite and bad regs is perhaps growing now more so than ever, yeah. but the ability level of everybody who who uh mm. fills in that gap is so much higher mm. that they would be beating the whales now for infinitely more than what you would have seen in the past yes. would this be an equivalent to you <coughs> of people playing online cash and mtts using effective like wizard database in real time versus best in the field um i don't i don't know how big that gap is like if you took like a makita versus somebody who's just using rta yeah uh, like, that that gap could be minuscule or it could be massive. Uh, mm -hmm. I truly don't know. I, I don't even know where to begin to estimate. But I do know that the guy using RTA versus like the average reg, it's going to be huge, right? And that's what you would consider this new approach to be. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess like I would say that you know the best players are creating that sort of gap between the average winner. I mean, it's crazy. But the average winner is also creating that gap between themselves and the average loser. And more, more whales are leaving, which means there's less to go around in the middle areas. They're, yeah, they're either leaving or they're just improving, right? right. So like okay. in the past, the ceiling was lower, I think, for the top because we didn't know anything. So like if you were the best in the world... You're kind of brain solving and yeah, how, brain how, how different are you from one to a hundred? Right, right. Like variance is kind of just picking and choosing, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so the ceiling was lower, uh, but, you know, so was the floor kind of. Now, the ceiling is getting higher because there are certain people who are just like Chance. elite. But the floor is also raising. Yeah. So like I, wonder which is, I wonder which is rising faster. That's, that's a really good question. A really good question. Man, it just seems as if I think the ceiling, I think the ceiling is rising higher. I, I feel that feels impossible right. given that it should be asymptotic. Like we should be like approaching perfection. Yeah. Whereas like if you just trim like the biggest punts, like that's a massive improvement. Yeah. Mm. Agreed. Man, but you keep seeing the same guys win. I think what you're... You just keep seeing the same guys get Ws. You keep seeing the same guys win, you the know? the same people at every final table. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. It's, it's, how, like, at some point, how? It just feels that way because the, the, the amount of people that you qualify as quote-unquote the same is growing. Like, there are enough people that have been around for decades that have elevated their game that now instead of it being the 20 best pros in the world, it's the 200 best pros, right? I, I wish we had, like, the... Yeah. This is such a... I don't sick, want to sick be thing the to request. I, I would like to know like how many amazing pros are just absolutely buried this summer. Like that would yeah. be something I would love to have more transparency with the buy-ins. I think or a call lot. it like uh, like top X like peer-reviewed pros. See what their summers are like. See their. I think like Daniel's a great example. Uh, he broke it down in one of his vlogs where uh, if you look at it by by buy-ins, he's up like a thousand percent, like just in buy-ins accumulated. Correct, but right? you're playing high stakes. But he's stuck like one point two million. 
because because the gladiator event saved him <laughs> yeah yeah exactly he won like you know 500 buy-ins in the gladiator or some something stupid you know he's completely blinded out of the 10k08 because he was playing that 300 tournament no way yeah he put it dropped a stack and it completely blinded out wow. he didn't get avoided it just blinded out that's crazy he i feel like i've he, never heard of anything like that before. yeah i feel like he could have gotten avoided everybody gets the one courtesy right I think that when you register and drop a stack after, mm. uh, like in late reg, right, you can't right. do that. I see, I see. That makes, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Also, even if you could, there's probably like a window of time to do it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, man, how fucking rich is D-Nice? I, I know, right? <laughs> but yeah, I mean, he gets the field bonus for the, the Gladiator and he had Some serious things chips. are worth more than money. I think the side <laughs> action is, is worth more to him than... Yeah. Um, no, but it, it gets a little crazy when you have all these different objectives. Yeah, yeah, and I imagine that there are a lot of elite players that are just buried because, you know, the binds just keep growing, and you miss a 250k twice, it's difficult to make 500k up in EV this summer. I heard this this crazy stat, like Dan Zach, the year he won Player of the Year, he's like, I lost money in my each of the previous nine summers, Yeah. and this summer I made enough to cover all those losses and then some. Really? That's fucking incredible. That really is incredible. I mean, that's ridiculous. Yeah, it, it speaks to the variance of it all, Imagine too. the ninth summer and being like, why am I doing this? Right. How bad am I? <laughs> yeah, or the guy who's just like, you know, the the average reg or whatever that just comes in and loses 100k year over year over year over year and then gets third in the main. You know, it's just like, oh, that's why. You know, it's summer saver. And by summer saver, I mean career saver. There's like, there's right. like 10 people in the poker world that understand how sick variants can be. Like, even if you think you understand it, there's a really good chance you have no fucking idea. For sure. For sure. Uh, I mean, like, we study this at such a surface level and we internalize it so much from an experiential level that i think the latter uh wins out always so many times like when i was doing uh when i was like raising money for the airball match mm -hmm. i was like looking at prime dope celts and um even with like a modest win rate you just didn't need to be that well rolled it was like less than five percent of the time anybody was going to lose more than 400k uh, and that was like a modest win rate of like i don't know six or seven big blinds something like that yeah. Uh, and even with that, just emotionally, I just know how deep stack cash gets out of hand. And I, I initially raised on 2 million. And then after the first session of like realizing how bad I thought he was, I like cut the funding by a massive amount and like got a much bigger piece of myself. Because <laughs> it was All like, right. okay, at some point, like we just have to be super aggressive. But even that was probably like an emotional. It was an emotional you correction. You overcorrected. Yeah, yeah, it was an yeah. emotional correction, right? Mm. I was way too emotional to begin with where I was overly conservative compared to the models. Yeah, yeah. And then I get like six hours with the guy and it's just like, no way I can fucking lose. Well, I'm taking it all, baby. Well, there's like, you know? there's got to be an in-between of trying to value the spot versus what happens if you overshoot versus undershoot. Like how different your life is if it doesn't go well. Well, that's the problem. It's so asymmetric, right? The downside is always going to be so asymmetric if it, if it gets you anywhere near ruin. Because the ceiling is limitless right like whether i make two hundred thousand or a million off of the guy neither one of them are going to propel me into some sort of I'm different life, the needle right yeah it's a lot of, it's a big monetary difference yeah a million dollars is much different than two hundred thousand effectively and well, emotionally some might say the difference between 12 million and six million <laughs> Perhaps. <laughs> it's interesting you're arguing the asymmetry because I would argue it the other way. Because I, th I think that like the downside of Busto isn't that bad. Really? Yeah. Like, well, I, that's because you're think, smart and you have a degree. Well, I, I was a huge I was a huge bankroll nit early on. Like I would sell action to like $300 tournaments. Guapo, yeah. listen to this right now. Guapo, you listen. I'm, I'm keyed in. <laughs> um, you listen, and, buddy. And I just think that having talked to... 
if we look at the and now there's some survivorship bias here, but if sure. you look at like our like the heroes of the game, they all took massive shots early on. Yeah, and I think that that is what propels you. So the irony is, I was the exact opposite of you. I was full risk on for the first ten years of my career, maybe even more, maybe even still now. <laughs> I still might be too aggressive. Like I was talking to Dan about this today. Uh, I always give him a, a sweat, but I've been playing 100, 100 all summer. So he's just off because it's too small. Like I'm, I'm properly rolled for it. So I just take it. But my average, like I, I look at the standard deviation, my standard deviation is somewhere in the neighborhood of like 80K. So it's just like, we're not really playing 100, 100. I've just tricked myself into thinking that I'm playing much smaller stakes. Uh -huh. And it's worked out very beneficial to me. But like, <clears throat> I easily could just go on a very quick half million downswing in a game where it's like, it's not a 10K buy-in, you know? Like, uh, it, it's just very difficult, I think, for us to model this stuff out. And I was super risk-on my, my entire career, and maybe still even to a fault. And I've, I've gotten to a point now where, like, maybe I overly acknowledge the survivorship bias of, like, man, you were lucky to walk away not busto in this spot and this spot and this spot and this spot. Yeah. <laughs> maybe take a little risk off the table You're at this point. You're looking at a doctor like here, 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 and here. You probably should have got fucked, but you didn't. Right. So you're safe. Right, like even the game that I played the other day on uh, Tropicana with like Polk, Rob Young, and all those guys, that was an amazing spot, 200, 400. Like, you know, I probably could have kept upwards of 80% of myself, but I sold half because I don't know what's going to happen. You know, I brought 800K. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're, you're older now and you're more established and the, the more you have to lose, the more you want to protect it. Yeah. Like, I think it's... I mean, I, I lived with a summer, I lived uh, with a guy one summer, maybe 10 or 12 years ago. And he's like, I've busted like a dozen 50K bankrolls in my life. Yeah. And I thought he was insane at the time. And I was like, no, no, no. He, now that I realize I he think was that's doing it right. Totally reasonable. Totally yeah. reasonable. I think the closer you are to zero, okay. the more risk on you should be. So what number do you think you get to before you stop having that mentality? I, I, for, for me personally, it was like around a million. Yep, that's the same. So once you basically me. saying, okay, I have X, but once I get to a million, now I got to relax. Not even relax, but just understand that like now you can diversify. You don't have to be full on inaction, threatening, going broke. Because it's, it's fucking hard to get to a million. Like, I don't care what people tell you. It is hard to get sure, to a million. Sure, smart people will get there often, but like, it's, it's like not the same as getting to 100K. And it's harder than it used to be. Yeah. Well, well actually, elaborate on that a little bit. Mm. I mean, I feel like pre-Black Friday, making 100K a year playing poker was like the easiest thing ever. Yeah, agreed. That is insane. I agree. That's so crazy, right? Like you just look at like normal life of like making 100K a year. What's crazy? There were like, there were a dozen ways to do it. I mean, you could, you could, <laughs> you could do a, a bonus whoring. You could do a bonus whoring. You could do it as a sit and go player. You could play, uh, you grind 180 man so your eyes bled. Yeah. Uh, Supernova Elite you could yeah. do. To Joey uh, did, yeah. You could uh, leather ass, just grind yeah. nine-handed, you know, one-two tables. Um, it's wild, because now, like, wait, making... Did you say R.I.P.? Yeah. Yeah, Mike Schmidt. He's he passed, passed away last Dusty? year. Yeah. Dusty died? Yeah. yeah. Holy crap. Yeah. Uh, maybe six to eight months ago? Holy shit. All right. That was my yeah. first Let's poker book. Yeah. Man, because, like, now when you look at six figures a year in poker, probably less than 1% uh, of poker players well, i think that's that. why he's saying it's harder which is a really valid point it's harder to make that now yeah the barrier of entry is much greater now than it ever has been but i will say the people that can do it can make more than that agreed the ceiling they can make multiples yes no but that was available back then too that's damn it, too. <laughs> <laughs> it, it i wanted it was, the optimist of the ceiling man <laughs> well it was less certain back then right like the guys that were the the isolders the durs all these guys they were natural talents 
and they they had the capacity to make more money back then than than we do now i think but we do it in a much more secure way because they were just rogue gamblers with a certain uh a, a certain like intuition or aptitude for giving themselves the best of it if that makes sense and i feel like for a long time i fell into that category too and somewhere along the lines i was forced to like get much more studied much more uh understanding of like how evs exchange and even to this day like uh a lot of the money that i make is because i'm willing to break those rules like man if you saw i i, I just want to like i want to pull all these young kids aside that like get into the game late night whenever you know we're all buried and we're keeping it alive and they have no business actually having access to this game but they come in and they're just such vultures like <laughs> they can't help it. it it's just bred into them because they're playing public games and they just have to you know cut their teeth and fight tooth and nail for every fucking scrap but they come in and it's just like i i can't explain like how much extra money i make by being willing to give money away in a in a very obvious manner have you ever heard the story of uh was it is, is fondiari um he's dining with someone and he sends like the most expensive bottle of wine over to another table and the I, guy's like why are you doing that he's like because there's like a ten percent chance I'll get invited to his home game. Right. And I'll make I'll make ten x that. Yeah. And I'm like that mindset is your it's it's kind of like, yeah. Um, but I don't think the young kids have that mindset. Mm -hmm. And I also don't know if I necessarily think that they should. Right. Because I think they're just they're thinking short term or like I have to make my money now. Maybe yeah. they're they're hustling and they're getting started and they're like trying to scrape everything together. Yeah, and I mean it makes a lot of sense. Like a guy like Landon who does have some social cloud, it's very personable, easy to like. Like Don't he needs to develop far. these soft skills because those opportunities might present themselves. Right? But like a random 10 20 40 grinder from Hungary that, you know, looks exactly like the depiction of a bot who's about to come in and fleece you. <clears throat> it doesn't matter what type of personality he develops. He like just doesn't really have a shot. You know, like outside of just like literally coming in and just, you know, blasting it off in hopes that it, it pays dividends in the in the long run and people respect him for gambling. He'll scrape out his urn and then he'll probably get boxed out of the game. And yeah. Yeah. Which which is to your point, I think maybe the best approach if you fit like some vanilla profile where uh, there is no long term prospects of you having a seat it just depends on how you see poker as a whole right if you see poker as something that you're trying to make x amount of money and then leave versus be here long term but most young kids kind of don't even have that figured out in the first place well, it's, it's, hard. Hard, it's hard to know if yeah. you're going to stay in poker for 10 I years i didn't think about it i didn't think about trying to like cultivate a better ecosystem we didn't have to back then the ecosystem saved itself then now it's kind of like slash and burning i mean yeah. I, was, I was unpleasant to play against like when i was young yeah and now, like I, now look have at you. Had, I've had multiple people who are like, I am happy. <laughs> literally, people saying like, I'm happy to lose money to you. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's great feeling. Dream. That really is Full the dream circle. for sure. Um, and to your point, and we can bring this back now to the payout structure. Uh, it was difficult to to foresee the long term of like what best impacted the community when you weren't necessarily forced into a position to care. But I think now that we're the old guard, we do kind of like take on that role communicating with operators trying to show the longer uh vision to everybody that is so short-sighted in a game that incentivizes you to be right um back in 2015 i think when the first colossus was announced there was an uproar because first place was less than a million it was 11.1 .1 million in the prize pool uh there was also an uproar about the rake which was in my opinion like at the time pretty insane to to care about the the comparison was they're making second place money 
And people are making that argument with the main event right now, too. It's like, bro, they're only taking 7%. Like, that's so good. 7% is like, These fine. ideas are so arbitrary. Like, yeah. to, to think about the operator is getting a certain place in a poker tournament right, of is course. so dumb when they set the, the, the payout structure themselves. <laughs> right, of course. Uh, so this Colossus payout, um, this to me is one of the most equitable payouts that I think WSOP has ever put out. And I get it. We flamed them for it. Hmm. But we didn't know any better back then. Not all of us. Interesting. I was very much... I'm, you were on board? I've got the receipts, man. I believe you. I hmm. love... Every time I stick my neck out, I'm very happy with what I've said. Sure. Like, even when I've been wrong, I'm like, you know what? I had reasons for thinking that. But no, I defended this payout structure vociferously. The jump between one and two is kind of spicy, but like, you know what I mean? It seems like a big, big heads up match here. It is. Like, two. It's, look at two and three and three and four. Man, it's fucking poker man yeah. <laughs> there's supposed to be well some that's gambling. Doug's argument right yeah I, I'm, I'm a little bit against that argument just in the sense that uh, it's poker man <laughs> it, it is but, but, but like tournament that's no limit baby <laughs> but like tournament poker is just so different in the sense that uh, we have so little control over where like we get distributed in all of this you I know mean, what I mean like it is so much short term variance that's going to pick who gets first second third fourth fifth good example being Dan Coleman playing the one drop because he said if he plays heads up he probably has a significant it's, edge and wins but that's only a good example because it was a 40 person event right yes. so like that edge is absolutely realized but this is you can't really use that for the giga Dan fields. Coleman the best heads up player in the world whoever I don't give but a shit could, like I well, think you can think about these fields like when um Berkey, when you were talking earlier about how, like, oh, we don't know where we're going to fall in this, like, there's, like, this really useful thought experiment called the Veil of Ignorance by uh, John, philosopher John Rawls. The Veil of Ignorance? Veil of Ignorance. So, basically, it's, like, when you're trying to design a system, you should try to think about it as if you were outside the system. You don't know who you're going to be in the system. Yeah. And that gives you, like, the fairest way of judging it. So, when you're judging a payout structure, you shouldn't be, like, I'm the fucking chip leader. I'm right. Chance Corniff. So, right. of course, I want a bunch of money on Exactly. Top. Or I'm Brian, and I'm like, I'd like the min-cash <laughs> a little bit or higher. Or I'm, or exactly. I'm Doug, and second place is still $6 million. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 And so, I think you should think, like, okay, I'm going to be a random person in the event, which is probably going to be a wreck. Mm -hmm. You know, and if they manage to, you know, have a stack on the bubble... I, I think that's what you should be trying to think. How are we going to maximize the yes. experience for that person? Wholeheartedly agree. And that's, and that's like the framework that I try to build from. And the milestones that stick out to me are the min cash, finishing in the top 100, and then finishing in the final three tables. 100% agree. I, I think that I, is yeah. so critical to nail those positions and ensure that as many people as humanly possible within the final two tables are millionaires. Uh, whether that's... I don't understand this obsession of making everyone at the final table a millionaire. That is another arbitrary thing. That it I, is. It good is. marketing shtick, right? You make uh, FT, you make a million dollars. Kind of, but... I don't I, know the value of this marketing stuff. Well, <laughs> I, I guess I'm coming from a different frame point where it's like the prize pool is so massive that by making everybody at the final table a millionaire, then we have flattened the payout. It's kind of like, okay, I see what you're saying. I mean, I Unless kinda, you're I, pulling from somewhere else. Here, okay, here's another arbitrary thing. Why don't we maximize the number of people that make 100K? Well, I'm, I'm on board for that too. Yeah. Uh, and that's why I put the that, that's why I say like a hundred down. I think is like a big yeah. yeah. Uh, point you get ten buy-ins if you make top a hundred. Uh, no, well, I think you get a hundred k way before a hundredth, especially in a field Not this, this year, large. right? No, for sure you do. I'm I don't. Sure. I don't think this year, but I, I remembered years in the past where it seemed like you could get like forty fifth and still make two fifty or three hundred. I, I got two ten for getting forty first. Why did I think it was eightieth uh, this and year? And there. Were like right around that time. That was 2013. Right around that time, getting 15th was worth 750k, and that to I me is very right, important. Landon. I think I was going to say I'm pretty sure 80th place this year is 100k. 109. How though? There's more people. I told you. I said this is crazy. That, that's what I'm saying. There's no, 1500 more people. But I, but I more think people. it's really flat at that point. I see. Like I think that just 
I mean, so if you got 210 for 41st, like there were, you know, several dozen people that were making in the 200s or something like Correct. that. Correct, yeah. So that's a lot. I don't think that maybe this is occurring here. Right. So I guess that's what I'm, I, I'm trying to argue for is uh, focus on the top 1% of the field, focus on the top 0.1% of the field, yep. and ensure that they're heavily rewarded uh, with, with like a happy amount of buy-ins. Like finishing in the top 100 should do more than 10x your buy-in. I'm so, uh, you know, it just should. But where, does the, where does the least, money come from? Right? It has to come from up top, right? Up top, first and foremost. Okay. Like, I would, I would advocate for it only being 10 million to first, but like, honestly, if they had made it 8 million, I would have been totally fine with that too. Yep, and I'm with you there. This I, is I, wild. I, I think the optimal payout structure, like if we were going to design one, I don't see why you have to go north of eight. Agreed. And I think you can go eight to like four or four and a half. Maybe four and a half is probably... Even probably that's best. massive too, but I guess it's, it's poker. It's no limit. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. You, you, can't go, you can't go eight to six. It's, no, a two, it's 200 buy-ins. Yeah. Two for a heads up match? Two is a lot of money to play for. I guess like... I, you know, I, it's not... Well, the reason it's not, you go 8 to 4.5 is that that gap allows you to pay the lower spots. You can't go 8, 6, 4, No, that, that, that part's true. The, the gap has to occur somewhere. Yeah. He, he's right about that. But we've also taken 4 million off the top too. So... Yeah. And, and now 2 million off the middle. Yeah. So if we, or sorry, one million off the I wish we had like, like a spreadsheet we could play around with I know, this shit. <laughs> I know. Maybe uh, one day we'll just have an OnlyFans podcast and then we get, we get Dan over there. We have Barber and we get a spreadsheet. Say, Guapa, what have you put this in? I made something <laughs> last year that, that was helpful, but I, I don't have it on hand now um, because we had the big discrepancy last year, I think between, was it 10th and 9th? Was massive or was that two years ago? Where they forced a million to 9th uh, and it was like 600K to 10th. I remember that. I don't remember the year. Yeah, it might have been last year or the year before, but it's just like... The gap between ninth and 8th, I think, was, was smaller than the gap between... Correct. It was like yeah. 200K versus like 400K. I think insane. 10th to, 10 to ninth was like 350. 9th to 8th was 200. And I don't know what these gimmicks are achieving. Nothing. Like, like I was having a debate with um, uh, Eric Rodewig, um, Chip, Chips, Chips Ahoya or something on, mm. on Twitter. <laughs> um, he's a mixed game player. And we, the, the debate we were having was... What is the marketing value of paying a record amount to this to twelve point one? Right, and I think I think that like in terms of people induced to play the main next year, it's got to be like less than twenty people. <laughs> if, so, if that many, right? If, like, if that many, just by me. saying it's the biggest prize pool of all time, you accomplish whatever it is you're trying to achieve by making the first place big. And he was trying to compare it to Powerball, like the right. bigger that. And I just don't think you have a Powerball effect with the main. Of course not. I there, think the number of register, like the number of entrants, is the is the Powerball. Hundred percent. People 100%. didn't even know what the payouts were until it was the biggest main. Right, that's exactly. the other thing. Everybody in my thread is like, "Don't you guys know this going into the event?" It's like, "No, man, this guy definitely makes it up on we the fly." We don't even know what the payouts are in like a freeze out with a. It's like a two-day tournament. So, so you should know they do have a consultant. Okay. Um, yeah, the golden the golden I, ratio is getting ratioed on with Twitter. The consultant that, that like works on these prize pools. Yeah. And he's basically said like he gets pushback. I'm sure. Well, he wants for to, sure. I think he would like to go flatter, but of course, uh, who wouldn't? I mean, we saw this. Stars had to make this correction, right? Whenever the uh, Sunday Million continually grew and grew and grew and grew, eventually, like it got to a point where it's like, okay, well, this thing is so fucking massive. What do we care if first place gets 300,000 or 200,000? We don't. Yeah. We want to spread the money as much as we possibly can with people who show up every single Sunday and give them a first place that they're excited for. So we're going to pay 8% the first instead of 15. Right. Which is what happened with the Colossus. Right. Because the formula that they use, like for their payout calculator, the percentage drops as the fuel gets larger. Yeah. And that's another thing is like the main, I, I actually heard the payout calculator that's on the WCP website 
was not able to handle there wasn't. Th this many yeah. people. Yeah, yeah, it was set for the previous record. It was a uh, user error. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it was a, just it was just preset for the for the previous I mean, record. As as it grows, I think first the percentage going to first is going to have to come down. It has to. It, it, has it to. just naturally has to. 12% the first place in this instance, or I guess it's actually closer to 15% because of the rake. It, it's egregious. It's just so in a fundamentally world where unnecessary. No deal, where no deals are correct. And, and I don't think they're ever going to budge on that. Right. And that's, I guess that's why, why I push back about there being a big gap between first and second is because I'm sorry, none of us are billionaires. None of us are Bill Klein. We just can't play heads up for six million. You just can't like responsibly do it's it. A, it's a one-off. I mean, it's yeah, not like this is, is something that's happening all the time. No, of course not. But, you know, the average trajectory moving forward, I guess, for those two players if they could chop versus one of them having 6 million less taxes versus 12 million less taxes. I mean, we know deals are made, right? They're not talked yeah. about, but they're made. For sure. Been secret made in, meetings? They've been... <laughs> bathroom they, meetings. They've been they made. are literally secret bathroom meetings. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is like the untold story of, of, of the World Series is the right. number of deals that are made that made them at final tables. Yeah, or, and I guess the counter to that is like, okay, what happens whenever like, you know, Corey gets heads up with a wreck? Like it's going to be difficult for them to make a deal because you have to trust somebody with millions of dollars now. But then the counter well, to that is like, well, he's had some versus a wreck. He doesn't need to make a deal. There, there doesn't need to be trust because I've heard of contracts being written oh. in these situations. Oh, okay. I, I guess I was a little unaware of that. And anecdotally, I mean, typically it's done with like a handshake and some trust. Right. Um, <laughs> I've done deals with, with handshakes. and how, how would you get a contract out that quickly? With handshakes and trust. I, I mean, I think it, in, in the modern world with, you know, d digital devices, you can have yeah. stuff pretty... Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess. text messages can be legal contracts. That's true. I, I guess it just becomes a little bit tricky. Uh, you might have legal grounds, but actually getting the funds yeah. is a totally different story. It just seems as if there are these little metrics that the payout structure can facilitate, but are willfully chosen not to. I guess that's the... Because the, people that make a deep run in cash domain are probably going to play the next year anyways. Of course, 100%. They're getting their TV time. They're well-known now. They're, they're lifers, right? But you... You really want to give them the ability to be lifers too. Right. You want to have them be able to play again and again, even after they cash for like 30K. And like, let's say they want to cash for like five years or whatever. Yeah. But like at some point, if they're saving up money to even play the main in the first place, they're not going to be able to play again if they min cash and lose two years in a row. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's just like uh, people making deep runs in the main is often a once in a career situation. Like a, yeah. Deep right? run being like called top. Top, top 100. 100. Top, top 100 is a yeah. deep run. Finishing top 100 for most people is going to be like a once in a career type thing. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, for the average grinder, they are probably, they're probably hustling to make like 100K a year. And right? this could be done in that moment. It has to be, in my opinion, right? Like it just has to be. You want, you want everyone who finishes like top 1% of the field to have a quote unquote huge score. Yeah. Right? We kind of quantify that with six figures. I think that's like the starting point when you're talking about a hundred million dollar prize pool. Right? Oh, I was just thinking in general, like in when general, it comes to like six figure scores, like yeah. even in like the online environment, I was having this conversation during Scoop. It's like having a six figure score online does not come around very often at all. Right. There's almost never. Yeah. Right. So prize pools don't get that. Big. It also doesn't even come across that much live. Right. Unless you're playing high rollers. Right. Right. You know? Right. But I, I think the real particular reason why I put this emphasis on the top 1% of the field <laughs> is because uh, not everybody has the skill set to win the main event. Yeah. Right. Big deal. But the allure of the main event is that it's an opportunity for a, a massive score. So people who finish within the top 100, there's a large chunk of them that are now just playing a satellite. Right. 
Uh, and it's just a satellite with increasing payouts. Where it's like, how do you win up from 100K to maybe get to 200? Yeah, it's just, it's, they don't care. It's, it's a proverbial free roll for them wherever they finish between 100th and 1st. Like, I'm happy with this result. They're, yeah, they're just not trying to win, right? They're just trying to best their high score and now have a substantial amount of money. And that's where I think, like, the quote-unquote Powerball argument comes in, right? Because it's not a single distribution of one payout to one person. It's this longer distribution of like, you know, the top 1% of the field that can win an amount of money that would feel like they won the lottery. Right. And I think that that's so critical to make them leave with a, a good taste in their mouth where they're like, if I got a hundredth and I made 115,000, I'd feel okay about that. Right. It's like, yeah, busting the main sucks, but I did get this right. versus like, the, I get 70, I get 60, 60 K. Well, there's 100. also the counter to that too. Right. So it's everybody who finishes one Oh one to like 400th where you also want them to be somewhat happy with the consolation prize of like, okay, I finished in X hundredth place and I got five buy-ins or six buy-ins or something like that. And you can do that now and you make them happy. But when you get hundredth and you get like seven and a half buy-ins, it's like, fuck, man, I played for six days. Man, I kind of understand the dream argument, though, of trying to increase first year over year, where it's like first place is this astronomical number. The problem with it is it's tone deaf to how the community is moving strategically, right? Yes, that, that was true when true. everybody had a, a chip in a chair and a chance. This is true in Moneymaker 1. Correct. This was true back when the poker boom started happening, but now we're a little bit smarter. And now we realize it doesn't matter how good you are between 1 and 100, you're probably not going to win the main. The main event champ is going to look like Korai way more often than it's going to look like Moneymaker. Yeah. And that becomes the issue with front-loading all of the year. money up top. Right. Yeah. Like, if, I, if you could go to Jack tomorrow and say, like, listen, a well-established professional who already has a seven-figure net worth is going to win the main event for the next 15 years, what are you going to do to the payout structures? There's no way you're going to increase first, it year yeah. over year. I, I mean, I think that's a fantastic way of presenting it. Yeah. And, that, and, that's, and that's a really good prediction, I think. I think so, too. Yeah. I, I, think, like, I, I think we see outliers whenever amateurs finish in the top five. I mean, George Holmes got second. That was huge. It was huge. It was huge, but like a lot of things had to go his way. He did beat Chance with Aces versus Ace King. I mean, Darvin Moon allegedly what got like, year Kings was Aces 20, 20 times yeah. a day for like seven days. Yeah, Darvin was He also lied to his rail and said he folded Queens, Queens. and he King-Queen off. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I fold a queen, big fold. Big fold. <laughs> it was 2009, another RIP uh, gone yeah. too soon. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think Legend. that that's the logical argument to present is like... A reg is going to win. But yeah, just stop looking at it as a, a lottery that uh, you're handing out tickets for and you want to give somebody like the biggest prize of all time. Yeah. Instead, start looking at it as uh, a, a, <laughs> a redistribution of wealth amongst the community that you're trying to uphold and continue right. showing up year over year to right. these events. Wealth doesn't really change in this instance. Right. Yeah, Wealth and, stays at the top. And to, that, and to that point about what is like the most efficient distribution, there's like reasons where you don't want all the money going to like one of the top pros or one of like the you know regs with seven figure wealth. Right. But then there's also like the, the, the taxation issues, which I think are, are not discussed enough in this. So like when you ship a bunch of money to like the top prizes and if they're an American, like they're just completely fucked and that money's taken out of the ecosystem. Whereas right. if we were to like use the numbers we talked about and go from 12-1 to 8, mm -hmm. which I think we seem to agree is, is a good first place, like that 4 million can be distributed to the people, maybe that bumps uh, 50 people up from, uh, you know, like 
180 to 260k or something like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. That feels like a way better use of that fund. Yeah, of way funds. less tax burden way on, less tax on that burden. money being distributed and, as well. And like you want to talk about the marginal effect of like the person that cashes for like 200k in the main. That that's a main event participant for life. For sure. For, for sure. The person who cashes for 60, I don't know. Right, maybe. Maybe. Right? But like they're going to have at a minimum financial issues or, or sorry, at a minimum uh an emotional issue with the, the the financial return of like such a deep run, right? The heavy investment for five or six days of play and only getting an amount of money back that they, like, they can make elsewhere. I think that that's the way to humanize it is like you want to give them prizes where they feel like they couldn't make this elsewhere. Maybe not with ease, but like conceivably, you know? And it's like as as we as pros get better, we just start looking at these numbers very differently. It's like, oh, 50K? Like, I can make 50K a million different ways now in this game. Play relatively tough games, win relatively tough prizes. Yeah. I, I knew a guy that, that won a bracelet in his very first World Series event yeah. and proceeded to play, like, every single World Series event for the next decade afterwards. That's wild. I mean, you get it, though, right? Like, you want that feeling They back. encapsulate you. Yeah, and it, he also won a lot of money, I'm sure. Unless it was, like, you know, pre-moneymaker. Uh, it was like a like it was a mixed side event. Oh, okay. Never mind. So five dollars. Yeah, no, he got got. It was two fifty or something like That's that. That's good. Yeah, yeah. That's great for a mixed event. But like hmm. that is like it's it's having a score like that. I mean, obviously, it's like one of the curses as a poker player is to like run hot early. Sure. Because then you'll never learn. Right. Um, and I think like he's maybe an example of this. Pain is a hell of a teacher. Yes. Yes, it is. Yeah. And you don't want to do it. You don't want to do it on the back end. <laughs> I wish we had, I wish we had been live and we were having a discussion downstairs about, you know, the value of like uh, like poker basically you make mistakes in poker, it costs you money, so you have to learn. Right. Whereas I forget how you put it, but basically, you know, if you're wrong about something outside of poker where it's not costly, you you don't have the financial incentive. Well, I, I think I think poker humbles you and life doesn't necessarily yes, when you're highly intelligent, right? So poker is a collection of highly intelligent individuals. And I mean, sure, this can be debated, but I don't <laughs> I don't think that we can talk about who and who is not smart. Whatever. I don't think it's that much of a reach to say that like, everyone's this, smart in their own way. Yeah. yeah, it's true. I don't think it's that much of a reach to say that this community is like pretty, pretty intelligent. Um, like raw IQ. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and the thing is, is like, it doesn't matter what your raw IQ is in this game. If you're not working hard, it, it will beat you to your knees. Even if you are working hard, like whatever, everybody's going to go through their, their trials and tribulations. And sure. That's true of life as well. But the distribution of trials and tribulations are very different for smart people as opposed to lesser intelligent people. It's very different for people who are born into affluence than people who are born into poverty, right? Like there are just so many leveling effects that happen in life. And the thing is, is that poker is kind of a, a culmination of people that have a lot of those positive life traits working in their favor. It has to be because it's a cash intensive industry, yeah. right? So for the most part, people who come to this industry are either coming from affluence or high intellect or, you know, a, a combination of all these things. And life might not humble them the way that it would for somebody who's like gritty and fighting tooth and nail to even be in the spot that they are. So what ends up happening is we have this collection of intellects that are so intelligent. And when it comes to the game, they're able to remove their biases to a reasonable degree and talk about it. But when you put them in anything else, they're so arrogant, right? Because there's so much ego involved in competing for a living and, uh, you know, putting your intelligence on display. And life doesn't check them. You know, they just largely go unchecked. So it does make us look like fools and geniuses all at the same time. Yeah, it just, it, it all, it's always surprised me that people don't draw parallels between poker and, and non-poker activities. Yeah. 
So like one thing I've noticed is like some of the most elite poker players, when they want to get better at something, they hire a coach mm -hmm. in like another domain. Yeah. Um, like I heard this story about Jungle and you know, it's, it's apocryphal, so I don't know if it's true, but like that Jungle re recognized that he was on the spectrum or whatever. And he's like, oh, I need like someone to help me to be like less awkward and mm -hmm. like hired like a coach to like help him with his like social skills. And then he, he talked to cage. me a lot about this. He, he yeah. highly recommends improv. He said improv was like okay. uh, a big jumping off point for him to be able to be more social. But yeah. I always thought that was cool that like Sharps recognize, okay, I want to get better at something. I'm willing to hire someone who's very good at conveying this information. I want yeah. to do it, learn it as efficiently as possible. And I just don't know why you wouldn't approach every aspect of your life. Like, what are my leaks? What right. am I missing? What, what, is, what do I not know? Um, how, could I, how could I improve? Rather than just like entering immediately with hubris. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Like, mm. oh, I have read a book so I can offer my opinion on anything. I, I think uh, I think it's different for people to have like coaching or sports backgrounds as kids. Perhaps. You know? Like, they're they're in kind my of more coachable. Like in my case when I was younger and played a bunch of different different games and sports I always had a coach. Yeah. So once I got into poker I thought it'd be it's no just natural. Yeah. Right. It's like why would I not have someone that knows what they're doing tell me what to do in the sense of like allowing me to make my own frameworks at some point but when you first start you probably don't have the ability to make your own frameworks. Yeah. I, I think two great examples of this uh and for me it's always like the barometer of how i check to see like how egotistical i feel somebody is is weightlifting and sex they're two things that everybody on earth feels like they just innately know how to do well and it's like the most <laughs> ridiculous concept that you just come out of the womb and know how to lift heavy things or please another person right it's just like no this takes like a lot of fucking work both of them i would add thinking to the list well, yeah, of course, but I mean, no, actually, that's a really great one to add. I, I shouldn't just dismiss it because like I think it is something you that thinking as a whole. Uh, yeah, just creating logical frameworks is probably mm. something that people don't really like. I think, most, to. I think the most important thing that almost no one does is thinking about how they think, like metacognition. Yeah, you should think about how you are arriving at conclusions because chances are you probably you probably have leaks there. I actually think it's a really fascinating thing to put a highlight on because it's mm. nothing that I've ever articulated, but. Uh, I think you're right in the sense that if you can't demonstrate to somebody who poses a simple question of like, what was your framework behind arriving at that conclusion? Uh, then you're just never challenged. Like what was your way, like what was your knowledge path to get to this point? Yeah. Like if somebody says like, Oh, I know how to lift weights and they've never lift weights before or whatever. You just say like, well, what, what is the framework of, how do you know how to lift weights? Uh, yeah, like what, what's the framework that you're utilizing in order okay. to construct this? And Why do you choose this rep scheme or right. you know, are you trying to do progressive overload or like all these questions? Yeah. Like, oh, no, I'm just kind of winging it. Right. That's Once everything just becomes an arbitrary answer, then yeah. you understand that their framework is completely arbitrary. Once you realize they, it's uh, either like from a different source or like bro science or something like that, it's like, okay. so I mean, that's, that's honestly at least uh, excusable because like they have a point of reference, yes. right? It's the people that- They're trying. Yeah. <laughs> It, it, even if it's bad reference points, they have reference points. It's the people who, like Andrew said, just arbitrarily choose things. It's like, like this works for me. Like, oh, I want to get shredded, so I did 50 reps. And it's like, why? It's like, well, high reps equals shred. And it's like, okay, what framework are you using to arrive at that? And they don't have one, right? They right. just arbitrarily married these two things together. At that point, you can realize like, oh, you don't actually think. You're just really confident in whatever's rolling around in the head of yours. You know what the, the funny thing about that is the intelligent people that are willing to have that conversation and break down the framework are ones that probably think very well versus the times when you talk to someone that doesn't have an answer to that, they just think that you're being arrogant. Right. 
Well, like, they uh, they push back with well, I know what I'm I know what I'm doing. It works for me. Agreed. And to be fair, the former that you spoke of, the people who are able to engage in that conversation, are generally byproducts of having been the latter at some point. Right. Like, I can definitely admit to that. My twenties. It all stems from ego as a first place. As well, well, when you don't know anything, you fill in the you fill in the gaps with something. It's either going to be fear or hubris, right? There isn't really anything left. You either acknowledge that you don't know anything and just become afraid of the world, or you're intelligent enough to just say like, "I'll figure it out." I think the key is you don't know how much you don't know. Yeah, that's really. I mean, once you realize that, then like, it's right. a game changer. Right, right. And generally, like you know, I hate to be the the old curmudgeon but like it just comes with age it does right it does. Like, some of the shit's unavoidable yeah i mean like we're in our early 40s now if we look back at a 20 year old version of ourselves we're not like these highly sophisticated creatures that are just like well you don't understand the philosophies of life because you haven't sat down and thought about them i mean there's probably a difference though when it comes to age versus just experience as a whole <coughs> like some people just have like a lot more experiences when they're younger growing it's, up it's hard some to fast guy, track it though i mean the aging experience is so correlated that i yeah. wouldn't the whole with age you comes can, you wisdom. Could, you could be a 25-year-old that's lived, you know, 10 lives, but that's going to be extremely, <laughs> extremely rare. Well, I think, I yeah. think if we look at it like the hierarchy of needs, what ends up happening is if, if you are forced into adult situations at a much younger age, you become very mature at the survival side. But, like, you're not going to be highly evolved necessarily. You, you may be further along the path than your, your same age group, yeah. but uh, you're so you're so trained into the world around you and, uh, you know, being able to overcome the struggle. Maybe that's not really thinking like about common sense versus not common sense. Cause like common sense kind of works to well to the sort of like survival ship stuff, like how to do the right things and make things work out. Like you, some people can always find a way to figure it out. Yeah. So to speak. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I also think it comes down to like where you're probably most, um, most like naturally versed when it comes to like thinking like some people are going to be more naturally versed in logic and reason than they will be in like abstract thought uh and the arts or, or something along those lines like hmm. whatever drives your your uh mode of thinking is probably going to be what creates your frameworks moving forward too. it just depends on how much you actually want how much time do you want to spend thinking about how you come to conclusions versus just accepting them as true it's true like i think i think naturally i have a very analytical brain but my environment, uh, and I also think like I was just like kind of raised in a very empathetic environment, so like it drew out the EQ more so than the IQ or really? the rational side. You were? Yeah. <laughs> I think if you grow up in like a blue collar environment, it's like very like uh, like do like yourself. Hard like and, you and, well, it was. It, it for sure was self reliant uh, and, and not exactly like compassionate I did this on my or own empathetic. Kind of thing. All of that's all of that is very true. Um, but when you have a mother who's a struggling addict and you are like I, I don't know how smart i am compared to average but i i think it's easy to say that like i'm not necessarily stone average that sticks out like a sore thumb in that sort of environment mm -hmm. right if everybody's you know carrying a lunch pail and doing hard manual labor okay. they look at anybody who's average intelligence or better and say like you're gonna make it don't break your back like that was just beaten to me at such a young age and the amount of like love and empathy and and support that was like just showered upon me because you're kind of like the one who's expected to get out. You're yeah. the last you're the golden boy. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, your yeah. experience was different than like the average person. I think your, so. Okay. Yeah. That makes mm -hmm. sense. Teachers, coaches, parents, yeah. Yeah. family, friends, everybody, like they all hit you with kind of the same thing of like, don't, 
Well, first of all, when you're coming from the stay gold, plenty boy. Well, when you're coming from the environment that I am, it's it's first and foremost, don't regress to your environment, right? Yeah, like, yeah. don't fall for these traps that your mother fell victim to and everything else. Don't become. That. But then on top of that, if like you show any glimmer of, uh, of ability or intelligence or anything, they just they all just want to bottle it and cultivate it and like do everything in, uh, in their power to support you and move you forward. Yeah, I mean, like, there was an expectation I would go to college from like kindergarten on. And I don't think that's true of most blue collar uh, small towns. You yeah. had you had you had hope. There was hope for you. In that I, I didn't sense. know any other way. Like yeah. I growing up, like I thought like you were a loser if college wasn't in your path. And yeah. that was coming from somebody who like made negative money a year and you know, lived with cockroaches. Yeah. Like, that was just the natural progression though. Yeah. I mean I kinda I guess I had the same sort of upbringing as you from that framework not like my family was like poor in that regard yeah. but in the sense of oh you can do anything you spent you set your mind to this that whatever and then i my mom definitely thought i was gonna be like doctor lawyer engineer like yeah. one of like those yeah, yeah. like big three things and then as soon as i found poker and i was like hey i'm not going back to florida state i'm just gonna play poker she was like aghast right. at the first time she heard that and now like here we are and i was like well that's kind of the irony of what i was what i was touching on is that uh though i think my strengths lie in being like a little bit more analytical uh, and like that's you know that that's the path i ended up down in college like i didn't know what i wanted to do and they're like well your aptitude is in math so do computer science it's like okay fine um and you did it yeah and, and though that may be that may be naturally true uh through a nurture sense my romanticism was through the roof from like you know age five to age 30 as to what your life was gonna look like yeah so like my mod or my my, my mode of thinking though i had this underlying uh, ability to be very analytical and break things down it was suppressed and far overtaken by the romanticism that was like beaten into me of the traditional life like you know finding the perfect wife playing a sport for a living and like you know that's what you wanted it, well yeah it was what i wanted but it was also like what what saturated my my way of thinking and like it's why i you saw tried the, so hard for baseball. i just saw the world through rose-colored glasses in in every single angle did you think that you're gonna be able to make it professionally in baseball yeah. Like, at what point did you think that that was off the cards? When it was way too late. Like, Interesting. years after I graduated college. Like, people would probably have told you, like, there's no way this is going to work out, and if, you didn't believe them? Yeah, 100%. Or you just didn't talk to them I just anymore. thought I, I thought it was an undiscovered talent. Mm. Like, I was positive of it. And, and the thing is, like, when, you're, when you are romantic, you're not receptive to constructive criticism at all. Right, reality does not exist. Well, it's, it's your own reality. You create your own. Professional you know? sports is a graveyard of the most optimistic people. For sure. <laughs> For mean, sure. All Poker completely too. delusional, illusory superiority. Like I am, I am so much better than, you have to be delusional. You, there's no other way to make it. Do, do you think the same thing is true for poker? Yeah, 100%. You just have to have some sort of like delusional confidence, but maybe Delusions of grandeur something? are the only thing that will get people through in this career. Because if you are a realist, you quit before you can be great. Right. Dude, there's a part of your thinking that's like, there's no way this will actually work out for me just based off of numbers alone. If you broke this down to hourlies, like coming up. Like how many, how, like what your hourly was to get to this point right now. Yeah. And, and like, I probably ran way above EV, but if you broke it down in a logical way of like, this is what the actual true ex expectation is. When it comes to playing, starting from small stakes and playing. No one would ever graduate the small stakes. They just wouldn't. Mm. Because like you would look at it and you're like, okay, I'm going to play this game for how many years for 30 bucks an hour? No way. I'll, do something else. Right. But the people with grandeur think that there is a part of themselves that can make it to the higher ceiling where they do have those like glorious hourlies. Yeah, or just that the average doesn't apply to them. Like, okay, if the average yes, win rate it's that. is 30 bucks, I'm going to do that. 100. It's that. Yeah. I can run hot. I can. 
it's so wild because I have I'm no unique. idea. I'll, I'll find the unique way to double that win rate. I could, and, and the yeah. most the most delusional are tournament players. Hundred percent, hundred percent. They got the carrot on the string, man. Well, first is twelve million. Of course, yeah. it's going to be them. We all yeah. think we're going to win it. Oh it's actually wild. Uh, the amount of people, like when I talk with friends about the main event or just any massive field tournament, there's ten thousand people in this tournament. You think you're the one that this is all designed for? Have to. You just have to. You can have it in the back of your mind, but also having the reality at the same point. Is that, are we getting played off? Is yeah. That the, okay. I love it. It's it's my favorite thing about the podcast. <laughs> Would go on forever otherwise. Papa has to be. Barber, thank you so much for joining us. We should have done this way sooner. Uh, it's very tomorrow. clear that, that we could talk forever. Uh, really appreciate it. Definitely want to catch up again somewhere in the future. Big shout out to uh, WPT Global and The Win. They are putting on the 10K, 10 million guarantee right now. Uh, today is day 1B. I'm going to get out in that field. Tomorrow is day 1C. I think they got 230 runners yesterday. So about a quarter of the way to uh, fulfilling the guarantee. I think it's going to go way over 10 million. Uh, my best guess is they'll probably get at least 500 for the next two days, if not more. So be sure to head over there. Uh, also, quick reminder that we have an academy September 1st through the 3rd. If you guys are interested in that. Oh, wow. That's close. Kind of close. Yeah. I mean, it's already July. It is already July. I swear, sure. time is just a construct, man. That's right. I don't abide by it. <laughs> uh, be sure to head over to solveforwide.io. <laughs> Click on the, uh, the academy or the... Sorry, it's academy.selfwide.io. You'll get all the details there if you guys are interested in signing up. That's going to do it for us. We're going to be back tomorrow talking main event. Hopefully, Brian is still in the main. Brian, with the tortoise. tortoise. He's let's our go, only baby. hope. What's the line on Brian making it to tomorrow? He's got 30 bigs right now. He doubled? He's got 29 bigs without showdown, he said. Oh, baby. Oh, speeding. Oh, my God. He, let's go. He gamed that whole thing, man. He told them I'm going to play so fucking tight. They were all listening <laughs> and watching the podcast, and he just got in there and ripped. The man, funny, this guy gets aces all the time. I know. <laughs> the funniest thing about it was he said, uh, under the gun seven, good player opens off of a bunch. I have 11 bigs in the cutoff with aces. I just went all in. <laughs> <laughs> No, Tortoise. Get that shit out, baby. Get that money. No, you got to call, Tortoise. <laughs> you got to sneak. You got to sneak in there. All right, that's going to do it for us, Barbara. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll be back tomorrow, uh, 10.30 a.m., normal time. We'll see you guys then. Peace.